0: everybody welcome to the evolution podcast where we question what makes our life truly ours i'm shereen jaffer and i'm very excited to introduce you to some incredible people with fascinating stories to kick us off i've got liz here with me who i recently met liz in our first conversation i feel like we just hit it off and i've we've lived these weird parallel lives. Totally. Uh, well, it is so good to have you. And I'm excited to share your story with everybody.
1: Thank you so much for having me. Yeah. L- likewise, it was we hit it off right off the bat. And um, I've been looking forward to this conversation since since our since our last conversation. So
0: <laughs> let's do it. Let's do it. So This, everything that's going on right now with, uh, you know, COVID-19 and obviously the financial crisis that we're all going through, this isn't the first time in your career you've dealt with something like this. Uh, And from our last conversation, it seems like the last financial crisis really served as a big pivoting point in your life and how you chose to build your career. So I'm super excited to start there and learn about your story. Awesome. Yeah. This um, is not my first
1: rodeo with, with uh, the crash of the financial market. So I feel a little bit more prepared this time around, but let's, you know, zoom back to 2008. Um, I was at New York University. I was finishing up my last year at school. Um, I, At that time, I had my dream job of working at Time Magazine. I was so excited when I landed that internship. Um, I went to school for writing, I'm a writer by trade. And I was like, you know what, this is what I wanna do. Once I landed that gig, I was so excited. And, you know, I started that gig in the fall of 2008 and it was at the Time Life building. So it was right in the middle of where everything was happening. I was, you know, I was, I was like, I'm on my way. And up to this point, Shireen, like, I had done quote unquote everything right. I had gone to school every day, got good grades. You know, gotten to good college, did everything by the book, and the expect expectancy from, I guess, everything that everyone has told me until then. Until then was. You know, after you go to college, you'll get a job and buy a house and, you know, go on the the very traditional path that we are all very
0: familiar with, at least in America. So just so bizarre, because I feel like even now people are still told that that as long as you get good grades and go to a Mm -hmm. good school, you're going to get a job. And the data is overwhelmingly you know, telling us that is just not true. Um, And it was even less true. Well, it is less true now more than ever. Um, But even back then, when you had just graduated, it was still very much the case that that was false advice.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. And I didn't really realize it until I graduated. And one, you know, I just felt like the whole rug was just swept out from underneath me I I was like wait I Starbucks is on hiring freeze right now like Starbucks like my my high school job that I had I was making more money as a professional modern dancer when I was 16 than when I had my degree from New York University Mm -hmm. at the time of graduation and it was very real in going, you know, to time magazine and walking past Lehman brothers and seeing people with boxes coming out of, you know, grown men and women with boxes of their stuff outside of these big bank financial buildings. I was like, Oh my God, this is real. This is like, this is happening. And I don't know. I felt gypped, (laughs) you know, I felt gypped along (laughs) with like, I think a lot of a lot of my friends from high school, a lot of my friends that I met in college, it was like there was nothing left, nothing. And it, it happened in a matter of months, right? It, it, the crash was in September, October. I graduated in December, and there was nothing to graduate
0: to. <laughs> and um, I know a lot of people are feeling that way right now. Um, oh, I, obviously, the students that are graduating college. Uh, grad school, re-entering the workforce—like so many people thought, 2020. It's going to be that year, right? Yep. Uh, and yeah. And it- I, I understand.
1: <laughs> I, I felt it. I've been there, and scary. I mean, I, granted, at the time, obviously, I didn't have a mortgage. I didn't have a family to take care of. I, my life circumstances were different. However, the mindset of expecting, hey, I'm gonna get a job, I'm gonna succeed, I'm gonna make money, that expectation was absolutely there and it was absolutely shattered. So I had to change, I had to adapt. Like everybody else, you have to adapt, but I didn't really know how. And the the other part of this, there's another part of this, was that as much as I wanted and dreamt of working at Time Magazine, um, I got there and I hated it. So there's that part too. So not only did I hate my dream job, the dream that I thought I was going to live no longer
0: existed. So. And that's wild. That That <laughs> is a lot to, to accept because so many, and again, so many people right now are facing that because you know, for so long, your entire life, you do everything you're told mm-hmm. to get the dream job that you've envisioned and to get to this point where, you know, it's, it's that milestone you've graduated. You can be now this official adult and you yep. can make life what you want it. And all all of a sudden, just like you said, it's, you realize, oh shoot, I'm definitely not, in that place. And yeah, I, well, it's yeah. it, it's
1: was, it was just not happening. It was not an
0: option. Like that option and I, was completely gone. Exactly. Even though you did everything you were told to do. So tell me tell me what how you handled that. Uh tell me about the things you did at that point.
1: Sure. So at that point, um I moved home because I had, I couldn't live in New York City without a job nor did I even really want to be in New York City. Um doing whatever I could to make some money, but it was definitely not what I envisioned myself doing for the rest of my life. Um there was a girl that I was great friends with in college. Um I- she was pursuing a degree in painting, I believe, or or something in that realm. And she, you know, she obviously had the same experience as me and she she went home Um, to live with her family as well, and was kind of floundering around as well, and she, you know, we were talking a lot, and she, she was, she landed this gig at a place called Ogilvy, which is, you know, a big advertising agency in the advertising industry, and she was like, you know what, I'm making this, I'm making these ads, it's not painting, it's not art, but It's not terrible. It's not horrible. Uh, You know, I'm making two hundred, you know, two hundred bucks a day. And to me, I was like, oh my god, that's so much money Mm -hmm. at the time because I, I I mean, I was making you know ten bucks an hour. So I was like, huh, that's interesting. And she's like, yeah. So the there's these things called copywriters that art directors work with, and we work together. And she was like, you know what, you're good with words. You're a writer, like you're creative like maybe you should give it a try and i was like well, all right let me look into it and the more i looked into it the more i was like hmm this sounds interesting and at least a little bit more fun than what i'm doing
0: so well that you know that's one of the biggest things i talk to people about now as they're in their career search is so much Exists out there that isn't even in your universe right now. Like you, you just yes. aren't aware of it. You, you know, back then you didn't know what copywriting was. You hadn't been introduced to it, even though you had the exact skill set required. And so, the best way to find out what exists that you can possibly align with is just by talking to people and by seeing what they're up to and what they are genuinely enjoying, and yeah, uh, just learning more about even if it's not their work but work that they're around and you know in this case of your friend she was around copywriters and the need for that it's such that's probably the best way to learn about what you can be doing when absolutely you have no idea.
1: absolutely i didn't even know it was a thing i didn't know copywriting existed i didn't know it was a job i didn't i i had no idea and it was basically luck that my close friend stumbled into this advertising job that she didn't even exactly know you know what it was I mean we were kind of figuring it out together but she was like try it and I said okay <laughs> let's try it so um basically what happened was from there I I was like I asked her I was like how do I how do I break in what do I do and she said go to Miami ad school go to an ad school Um, get your portfolio together because you need a portfolio and then start applying for jobs. And I was just ready to go. I was like, count me in. So I went to Miami ad school up in San Francisco. I went for two quarters because I knew exactly what I wanted to do. I wanted to get a job. So I got my portfolio together. I hustled and I got an internship at Crispin Porter Bogusky in Miami. And at the time, Crispin Porter Bogusky in Miami was a really hot shop. They were doing some really cool stuff in the industry. I knew I could learn a lot there. And yes, it's an internship. You know, I, I, again, wasn't expecting to be an intern outside of college, but Seven bucks an hour. What's the difference between seven bucks an hour and ten bucks an hour when you're trying to do something different, right? Right.
0: What and you went to school for two quarters because for you it was, I need to get a job. I know this is the amount of time I need to spend in the school to build up my portfolio and get access to these internships, but I don't necessarily need to complete the degree program because that's not the intention for you. The intention was do enough to be able to have that portfolio and experience to get that job, correct? That's 100% correct.
1: And I did that also because I had a writing degree. I knew how to write. The foundation was there. Um, I had a purpose. And once I fulfilled that purpose, I didn't need to hang out and continue the program. I, need, I knew I what I had I- to do.
0: Right. And I think that's so beautiful and so important. And honestly, kudos to you, because I also think it's one of the big steps towards uh, self-defining your success, right? And really taking control of your career. I think a lot of people are told that if you get a degree, you will get X, Y, and Z, right? And that's why they go to grad school to be more competitive. But I I think it really helps to think about your true intention and logically work backwards um, as well as just also with your gut instinct. But work backwards and realize, does this activity help you get to your intention? And if you logically analyze um, or even just talk to people who've gone to grad school or other even undergrad programs, You'll realize a lot of what they learned didn't actually get them that job didn't help them fulfill that intention right and so why do the same thing that hasn't worked for so many people? Why do the same thing just because you keep getting told to do it
1: absolutely and I was in the exact same boat I had a bachelor's degree from a quote unquote great school. it didn't matter i mean i'm not and I'm not saying that my college education was a waste because we can go into that at another time. That's another story for another time, because I don't think it was. However, this kind of drone, if you go to college, if you do this, then you'll get that kind of formula was no longer the case. It was no longer relevant and it was no longer possible. And also it's money, right? Like school is an institution. They need to make money. Um, the money I saved when I was living at home, I spent towards school and I only had so much money. I was making nothing. Right. So <laughs> I, I only saved so much. So that's also was a good indicator
0: um, yeah. of like, light a fire to, under my
1: ass, <laughs> get myself
0: right. you in yourself, which is also important because I do think the other extreme here that you know, I don't want people to take away, uh, is, well, if you're broke or if you don't have a job, don't pay for things, right. Don't pay for that degree program or whatever it is. And that's not, it's not black and white like that. It's simply invest in the things that allow you to meet your intentions. Absolutely. I see a lot of people right now that are job searching, that are spending so much time and effort doing it themselves and not Um, asking for help, or even possibly, you know, uh, I don't know, taking an online course, something like that, right? Not investing and being able to do it better and uh, in a more meaningful way, because time is also money. Um, You can either choose to invest dollars, or you can choose to invest your time. Uh, You have to yourself decide what is possible for you and what is the best option for you. No one can really tell you that
1: that's that's absolutely right and and the truth of the matter is I mean there's other ways to get into the advertising industry but the 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 one surefire thing you do need is a portfolio and I didn't have one so I needed to get one and in order to get one I needed to pay some money so it was absolutely worth it but at the same time what you're saying the time aspect as well, like I was willing to take an internship over a job because of the pedigree of the internship. Right. It was long, you know, it was, I was looking long-term about this. So it
0: was worth it to me.
1: And so you have
0: your portfolio. No, okay. I love that. So you have your portfolio, you have your internship.
1: I have my internship. I only was expecting to live in Miami for three months for as long as the internship went. And then I was hoping to get a job after that, but I I actually didn't know my, my my goal, my, my long-term plan kind of went short term. I was like, you know what, I'm going to do this internship and we'll see what happens after that. Um, Luckily it worked out after the internship. I, actually was hired freelance at Crispin for another year. And that was awesome. I loved it. Um, I ended up actually meeting my now husband and coworker there. (laughs) We are now the co-founders of inside company, but, um, needless to say, I stayed there a lot longer than three months. Um, From there, I got offered a job at TBWA Media Arts Lab in Los Angeles, uh, working on Apple. And that's an opportunity as a writer and emerging copywriter that I was not going to pass up. So I moved to LA for about two years, worked on Apple, got a lot of wonderful work out of working there, met a lot of brilliant people that I still am connected with and Cross paths with from time to time. Um, and I started really enjoying what I was doing. I saw the money start coming in. It was a really exciting time in my life. I felt like things were paying off. I mean, granted to say, I was living in LA on a junior copywriter salary. And I think in the first year, I don't think I made a dollar after the year was out, but I was happy. And I felt like I was doing something productive. I felt like an adult. I had an apartment. I, you know, I was checking off the boxes. And that felt really good.
0: But that was also your last full-time job, right? (laughs) Well, it was. Yes. I mean, (laughs) there's that. So,
1: yes. (laughs) Okay. So now we get into the part two of the story. So, (laughs) so. After Media Arts Lab, as a a writer and a copywriter, um, Media Arts Lab only worked on Apple. And that was, I'm not complaining. It was was an amazing time, amazing experience. But I didn't want to get cornered, right? I didn't want to get trapped just producing Apple work. Um, I wanted something different. But at the same time, I didn't know where to go because I didn't, I wasn't exactly thrilled about the prospect of going to a different ad agency. I didn't really want to work on Clorox or mac and cheese or gas. I don't know, whatever, whatever it is. I just, it, it didn't really interest me. And I was making money, but I was still capped. And I wasn't making that much money. Again, I don't think I made a dollar after you know the year was up. I don't think I don't I don't think I came out ahead at all. So at, at that time, I was reevaluating. I was like, so so, what's next for me? What do what do I do? Um, let's see, let's see what happens. So I put some feelers out there for for full time gigs, and I actually did get offered a full time gig at an ad agency in LA. And it was really flattering. It was at the time it was almost double the salary I was getting um, at Media Arts Lab, and it wasn't necessarily like the sexiest ad agency, but it was a lot of money, and it was nice to feel wanted. However, on the other hand, I didn't want to to. St- keep my upward trajectory. I didn't want to work on cars. I didn't want to work on. I just wasn't inspired by it. And I knew I still had some, I still had the fire in me. You know, I was like, I still want to keep growing. Again, my husband, my now husband at the time, my, my boyfriend, he was, he still lived in Miami. And he told me, he was like, you know what, why don't you try freelance? And that was like, Another like mind-blowing moment for me. I was like <laughs> like what what is that? What do you mean? Like I don't I don't understand what that is. And he was like just try it. And he said if you don't make what you would have made at that other agency if you didn't break six figures freelancing, you can always go back
0: and this and I... is this moment. I didn't mean to interrupt you. No, no, you're fine. <laughs> this moment, and of course, to, to my listeners, I mean, the first time um, Liz and I met, you know, we we really bonded over this story. So I do know her story. Usually I don't know every podcast guest that I have story <laughs> beforehand. Um, but this part I do know because um, this is where we kind of have this like parallel life moment where um, when in my entrepreneurship journey, because a lot of people ask me, you know, how did you know you wanted to start your own company? How did you know Mm -hmm. you wanted to like bet on yourself? And I had the same moment where my now husband, then boyfriend, he had already dropped out of college. He had already been, you know, well into his entrepreneurship journey. I had just started my first company, which was supposed to only be a summer project while I was in school. Mm -hmm. Into this like beautiful full-time thing. And you know, come graduation time, I was told, well, the only way to have stability, right, the yeah. sense of stability, and the only way to have a successful career is to work your way up and to join a company that's established and have this full-time job and go from there. Uh, and I just, it wasn't vibing with me. And at the time, I couldn't explain why it wasn't aligning with me. I know right. in your story, you're kind of going through that re- that reflection as well of, you know, there is a lot of money with this new full-time offer, but I'm not feeling inspired by it. And it still doesn't meet all my lifestyle requirements I have. Yeah, um, I was kind of having the same thing. In hindsight, I realized, oh, I just didn't want to have to rely on a company for my livelihood. I didn't want oh, them be for being able to pay me or not. Right. Um, so that was again, only in hindsight, can I actually verbalize that at the time? I didn't know. And my boyfriend at the time said, look, Shireen, why don't, why don't you just give yourself one year, go full time with your, with your, you know, with your company, you're already essentially doing it. I was working ridiculous hours in school. Um, and he's like, you know, just try for a year. And if you make the same amount of money, uh, if not more, but like if you at least make the same amount of money that you would have with a, you know, your net salary from this job offer you have on the table, then you know that you can, you can sustain yourself in, at your company. Um, and if you like it, obviously, and if you don't make enough money, if you don't break that in the first year, then you could always go back. You can right. always someone to hire you. Yep. Again, I had built those connections and all that stuff, which I know Liz, you had a, has as well.
1: hmm no, absolutely. I mean it was it's the same exact story, and at the time um matt, matt my now husband was living in Miami, and I would have had to stay out in l a and i it wasn't matching up. He was like, "Move back to Miami and see how it goes." yeah, and to me, like leaving that job after on the table was very hard. It was not an easy decision because, you know, graduating in 2008, I was like, you know what, I'm not going to make $30,000 by the time I reach age 30. I really didn't (laughs) think it was possible. And then I get dangled this carrot and I'm like, Oh God, I'm just so happy. I have a job that I kind of like, let alone like really like, and am I going to give that up? I know how precious that is. And how much I wanted that. Right. But at the same time, you know, I was 23. I didn't want to settle. I didn't want to, I, I just didn't, I didn't. My gut said no. And my gut said no. My husband said, give it a try. Well, my boyfriend at the time, husband, now, Give it a try. So I said, okay. And... Ever since, you know, I have been consulting and freelancing ever since I've never looked back, never looked back. I mean, even three years ago, my husband and I started Inside Company. We started our own creative strategy consultancy that has been a dream. We work out of our house in Miami. Our co-workers are all spread out over the country. I mean, even the world. And it's been liberating, to say the least. It's been... It was the best thing I could have done.
0: I love to hear that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, you know, it's, I'm sure I would lo- I want to know, you know, back then when you made that move, obviously your boyfriend now husband was supportive, but what about other, other people in your life?
1: Okay. Possibly- so th- <laughs> that's a good, it's a good question. Um, I didn't, so I grew up in a very non-traditional way. I guess not very non-traditional, but I grew up in a very unstructured environment. My parents were extremely hands-off with my brother and I. Uh, They didn't have to be hands-on. My brother and I always got our work done. We never got into trouble. We got into good schools. Again, we did everything by the book. So that was the the unstructured, nobody breathing down my neck environment, I did very well in growing up. Additionally, I grew up in a dance studio. I never grew up in an office where you wear pants, like pantsuits and go into go into a high-rise. That felt so foreign to me. Um it just, it, it didn't feel right, I guess you could say. I guess that was part of the reason why time just didn't feel right for me as well. But yeah, I, I grew up in this very unstructured place. Structure never just, it, my, my work doesn't happen from nine to five. It never has. Like By 9 a.m., my work's halfway done.
0: Yeah. So when do you did you, <laughs> I, did you tell your parents or your brother or your friends about this decision to so <laughs> I've
1: always
0: so I've always been like fiercely independent
1: in that way in the way mm-hmm. that I work my parents my mom is a teacher my dad owns nightclubs um, they were never in an office environment. So when I told them I was going freelance, my dad said, you oh, know, that's freelance, that's great for a kid your age, you know, he's like, <laughs> do it. And and that's vitally important to have the support of your friends and your and your family and the people that are significant in your life. I think that- without that mental stability. Um, forget, you know, financial stability, but without the mental safety net that, hey, I have some people behind me kind of pushing me and giving me the the green light. I think it would have been tremendously more difficult to make that decision to go freelance.
0: Yeah, I'll tell you my side, because I had the opposite experience. And I think most people... Mm -hmm probably face less support than more support unfortunately i think that's Uh, true and so for me you know again on the entrepreneurship lens um when i told my parents who my mom's a nurse my dad's essentially worked like very much a nine-to-five job his entire life Mm -hmm. um my brother's a doctor i mean this is like a very structured family environment i come from with very traditional values. And even though my entire childhood, they've been incredibly supportive and they've always known I was different. Ever since I was a kid, I was told, well, you're very different um, Mm -hmm. from your brother, from your friends. And I loved that. I owned that. Um, But when I did tell them, it was this moment of, they knew it was coming, but their fear of wait you're you're 21 years old you're graduating USC you have all this student loan debt um no one in our family has ever started a business and my my parents also had so many experiences with their family members that did have businesses that didn't do so well that business was not even a positive thing in my family since i was a kid it was not right. even thing that was introduced to me in a positive light um, sure. so so when I told them that they, they didn't get it, but they supported, they it. didn't. Yeah, they they didn't they didn't like disown me by any means, but they definitely said, you know, well, why don't you go get the job and make the money and save enough money and then start your company? And I knew, mm-hmm. I just knew there's a way at the time I did not have full confidence that I would go back to entrepreneurship and I probably would have known what I know about myself now, but at the time I didn't have that conviction. And, and, and my friends, most of my friends at the time had no idea, like they were super supportive because they're nice, but you know, they, they hadn't gone through that journey. So they couldn't necessarily support in any other way outside of, yeah, I mean, try it and don't go crazy, you know? Yeah,
1: (laughs) Totally. Totally, I think that's I think that's more common, um, especially. I mean, even even ten years ago, it was the word entrepreneurship wasn't as part of the vernacular as it is now. Right. So,
0: totally.
1: I mean, I didn't know. I wouldn't have dreamed that I would have gone freelance and started my own company ten years
0: ago. Yeah, 12 years ago. I mean, like,
1: that wasn't even a thing. That was not even on my
0: radar. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's really what I feel like just having conviction and, um, ability to just stray from the norm. Um, th- it'll allow you to dis- discover things that w- you never even considered because you're intentionally straying from your norm. Right. Uh, and so of course you're going to encounter a completely different timeline of events because, you weren't even considering them in the first place. Uh, and that yeah. definitely I know is true for the both of us. But let's talk a little bit about freelancing real quick. Yeah, I think I've talked to people about freelancing a lot, especially right now with layoffs. Yep. And the common misconception is freelancing is limited to, limited to it's kind of like the side hustle. And I'm doing air quotes that you can't see. Um, <laughs> But I'm, I'm, you know, people think freelancing is just side hustles, they're temporary, they're um, limited to certain types of work, that it's not really relevant as a career path. Um, So, so tell me what you think. I
1: mean, (laughs) I'm freelance, do your own thing. All the way. Um, Career path is interesting. Again, that whole notion of having a path was completely shattered for me as I believe it feels shattered for so many others right now. To right. me, and, the way I I'm sorry, let me finish this I'm really fast. To me, there actually is much more quote unquote stability in freelancing than there is with a full-time job or full. Like I feel like having a lot of plates spinning gives you a lot more stability than putting all your eggs in one basket. For me, Tell. sorry,
0: what's your what's your question? I, was, I think you were going to answer it. Tell me more about why you feel that way. What do you mean by having more plates?
1: So... If you are working with multiple clients and one of those clients for what for one reason or another, uh, no longer is working with you or can work with you or discontinues working with you, you still have three other revenue streams coming in. With a full-time job, you've only got one. And that's a lot of trust To put into a corporation that's not yours, that there are a lot of things that you don't have control over that are much, that are well beyond your control. You can control how hard you work, you can control your little corner of the organization. But if the organization, for example, goes under for a global pandemic, for example, what do you do? You have nothing else to lean on.
0: Yep. We're actually creating um because of all the conversations I've been having now with this pandemic, we're actually creating a guide. Um by the time this episode is live, it'll it'll be live as well, but it's around uh how you can you know, build your career um with multiple sources of income. Yeah. And I think freelance is just simply one word to describe what this means uh-huh. uh, but I, I always like to introduce it or at least see it as a mindset that is you know I've got skills to offer I have people that want to buy those skills or buy it so they they can use those skills leverage yes. those skills um, and so even if I am a full-time freelancer I was talking to another uh, guest Trish on, on the podcast who's been in entertainment and she's freelanced for a lot of her career. Um, but she was like a full-time freelancer for, uh, CNN for, I think two or so years, Mm -hmm. but the beauty of, you know, that is essentially a full-time job. Um, she didn't have additional sources of revenue at the time, but because she was a freelancer, her mindset always was, every job is temporary. And I I have my list of clients, I'm nurturing them, I'm volunteering still my free time, quote unquote, free time, but anytime that I'm not under one contract, I'm nurturing another opportunity. So you're, you don't have this mindset that a lot of people have now with the way employer-employee relationships are, are set up in our society is, you know, I work for this company and my job is to be indispensable for this company. Yes. That is how I build my career. But logically, you're making yourself indispensable for one company. Yep. When, you know, there's so much out of your control, no matter how good you are, no matter what you do for that company, there is still a high likelihood not a small one a pretty mm-hmm. significant likelihood that they can they will let you go or you will choose to part ways for whatever reasons absolutely but if you focus on being indispensable for yourself for your network for your your career ecosystem whatever that is that can go so much farther and i feel like that's really liz what you've been able to build and how you're how you're essentially you know navigating the current crisis
1: Absolutely. And, and something that you said was so poignant is the mindset that every job is temporary is very powerful. I know that in the past temp jobs have gotten a bad rap. The idea of temp jobs. I have never in my life associated my self-worth with my job and I think that has helped me weather a lot of storms including our current hurricane if you will. Um, I think it's great to work hard. I think it's great to be passionate about what you do. I would caution against placing your self-worth in your job, especially if it's working for someone else?
0: Yeah, I, I think that's important. I think it just comes down to there's not one way of doing things. And this, you know, there is no coincidence. Um, if you look into why freelancers and independent contractors and all these other you know, quote unquote, like temp work um, is looked down upon, like, you know, look at who's saying that and look at like what institutions propagate the need for having, you know, employer-employee relationships and where that comes from and what that's motivated by. Think about something as simple as, you know, we we have on the political lens, you know, we're talking about people being paid or sorry, people getting more benefits and people like Mm -hmm. companies offering better health benefits and better like paying for those benefits. And I've talked about this with another guest on my podcast. Um, but it always comes up because you're, you're essentially allowing this one institution to be, um, to be like, to have control over your health. Right. And And again, separate conversation of our health industry and how it is in the first place. But I would rather we talk about people getting paid more money and I would rather have people, um, you know, being able to build their careers in more flexible ways so that it's part of their holistic identity and not just the only part. Um, Oh,
1: absolutely. And I think what's happening now because our healthcare system is so messed up If people are staying in jobs just to keep the health benefits for their families. And that's, that's a terrible way to live. That's a, that's so you don't want workers to feel trapped just because you have them by the balls because you pay their health insurance. That's a terrible way to exist.
0: Yes, we were, you, you hit something really profound there because we were doing, I can't remember, um, I can't remember the source. However, I will just tell you where it came from, and then you know we can fact check it. Um, we there was a survey done of people as to why they choose to stay with their employer or why they choose to stay in a full time job instead of starting their own business or starting their own consultancy or whatever it is. And the number one thing was benefits. Literally, the number one thing why people stay in their jobs is because of benefits. And then there was um, there was a uh, career growth, um, and then it was um hold on number one was benefits second was career growth third was I think retirement they did separately than benefits and I think the third thing was actually retirement like 401k matching and things like that and it's crazy yeah if you logically think about how much time autonomy energy you give up In exchange for benefits that at most will probably cost you a grand a month, which is a lot. That's a lot. But 12 grand a year versus countless amounts of disengagement, energy, frustration, the long term consequences, right? And I'm not saying a full time career or being an employee. Not at all. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying. It's about digging deeper and being more intentional about Absolutely. why you're doing what you're doing. And if it makes sense for you, amazing, good. Like if anything, that'll probably fuel you because you're you're going to have more conviction in why a path is your your path. Absolutely. Um, but that conviction is what helps you make it your own. And I think a lot of people today, and I know this for a fact because I talk to thousands of people probably every month. Um and one of the biggest things I ask them is why why are you in this career or why are you looking for this next job? And, you know, first they'll give me their answer, but when we dig deeper, it's really like, well, I don't know what my options are. Isn't that what I'm supposed yes. to do? It always comes down to that.
1: Wow, oh, that's fascinating. Yeah. I mean I I don't doubt it because that we we are so conditioned Still, that one thing leads to another leads to another, and you the idea of the ideal of success in America is, you know, the CEO job at a company that everyone's heard of. And that's still looming, I think, in people's minds, and it's ingrained in them. And even for me, growing up in a, in a fairly non-traditional way, an unstructured way, I still was blinded by that ideal. And there is nothing wrong with that, also. If that if that is your path and it works for you, rad. And it does and you work know, for
0: people. Totally. And you know when it's working for you.
1: You do. You know.
0: You don't it's that's just what it is. Like you don't feel this level of misalignment or dread, you know, like if you love your work and it's allows you to build a lifestyle that you genuinely enjoy, you don't have to love a hundred percent of your life. You know, but if you genuinely feel aligned, feel fulfilled, you're, you're then cool, but you'll know when that's happening.
1: Oh yeah. You'll know when that's happening and you'll know for sure when it's not happening. Like I know for me, I just, I was allergic to that corporate culture, to the nine to five, to the pantsuits. I was absolutely ill-fitted for that world and that path. And to live that every day would have been a terrible way for me personally to live. So I had to find another way.
0: Hearing you say that is making me reflect on my own kind of like what I thought my path would be mm-hmm. and why. And of course, you know, I grew up in Palo Alto, um, super affluent. My family was not affluent, um, but super academic, super, you know, achievement oriented. And I was, um, my school raised me to believe that growth and test scores and the the company name you end up working for, all of that is really important because we were in Silicon Valley, and most of the people I graduated with, if I look at my LinkedIn, most of them are at a tech company, or um, uh, they are, you know, in a more structured path. And I remember uh, in I was eighteen, and we were, or I think I was seventeen, we were touring USC, and it's in downtown, and I remember looking at my mom and saying, Mom. By the time I graduate college, I will be in the LA downtown, uh, you know, skyline in one of those buildings, and I'm going to be wearing this cute little skirt suit. I'm going to wear high heels, nothing that I wear today. Um, I'm going to be wearing that, and you'll see. And my mom, of course, was like, yeah, great, amazing. You go, girl. Go get it. You go, girl, right? (laughs) Yes, we'll do it. She's lovely. Awesome. And then I turned 18, and guess what? I got an internship. In At a company that had great people to work with, that had beautiful offices, that was in the Paul Hastings building in the skyline of downtown LA. I did wear high heels. I did get to wear that skirt suit. And even though I learned so much there, I very quickly realized absolutely freaking lootly not do I want to do this every single day for my career. I don't want to work my way up like this. I don't think I need to. And it was not coming from a place of ego or, oh, no. I can do this. No, it's not at all coming from that. It just didn't make sense to me why I would spend my entire career proving myself versus doing stuff that I really like doing and failing and experimenting it, uh, experimenting and learning from capable people and just like letting things unfold. Right. Uh, However, despite that realization, still graduation came and I had those job offers between working corporate in a very similar office environment or going full time with my, with my last company, Skillify. I still needed that external influence. My, again, my husband now to tell me, Shireen, give yourself a year. And he knew, we met when I was so young, he saw me in that corporate environment. He knew how much I hated it. He saw how much I felt limited and stifled. Um, And it had nothing to do with the company. Uh, It was everything to just do with that way of working. And even though, even though I knew all of those things about me, it was so hard Going back to what you mentioned about how how strongly we're conditioned, it was so hard for me to just simply say, I know that doesn't work for me, I'm not going to do it, I'm going to try something different. It was so hard to do that.
1: Sure. I I I get it. I was again, we live parallel lives it sounds like. But I was there and it, it, oh, it was unfathomable at the time and that's what's scary. It's scary not knowing that it that it didn't seem like an option, I guess. Right. It didn't that. seem possible or it didn't hold ha- the same. It wasn't held to the same standard. It was somehow a less, quote unquote, lesser choice of a career. Or, I mean, there's a plethora of reasons why it's not the gold standard, I guess. But for me, and it sounds like for you as well, we had to find a different way we had to like I couldn't survive in that kind of environment
0: it's and I think a lot of people feel that way but either don't have that person that both of us fortunately Mm -hmm. had that just believed in us and also frankly frankly we're we're succeeding with that choice of life so for me it was hard not to believe it was hard for me to not see the success when someone I knew so close to me had been successful doing it. So I do think it's important to align yourself with people who've done it and who figured it out. And again, goes back to my intention with this podcast is I want to introduce people to you, to someone who's had to make those hard decisions that didn't just come from a family where this was, even though your family was unstructured and uh, gave you the room and environment still it wasn't obvious that you would take this freelance path no so not at all I want to introduce people like you know to each other because I know how important it is and you know how important it is um as you said having that person having that it support.
1: is it's ha- it's it's extremely important I'm I can't confidently say that I would have done it without the support from my parents and my husband. I don't know if I I want to think that I would have still gotten there eventually because of, again, my allergy to the traditional way of doing things. But, but it's
0: hard to imagine.
1: Yeah, it very much is. It very much is. And... You know, the crazy thing also that we sh- we probably should touch on is the money aspect. Yeah. We work for money. <laughs> like, that's why we work. I think, I mean, I think if you're very, very extremely fortunate to do exactly what you love and it makes you a good living and you feel like you're taken care of, that's that's really awesome. But most of us work because we need money to survive. And what's amazing and beautiful about running your own business or freelancing or just taking control of your finances is you don't have somebody or a corporation telling you what you can make. It is so limiting. And the flip side of that coin is it's so liberating to have no limits on how much you can make. Truly,
0: yeah.
1: Truly, I mean, it, to me, as and we, you know, we can talk about this for a whole another hour. Is getting par- paid fairly. <laughs> I mean, if. The world is stacked against us, especially as women working in a tech, in tech-ish kind of fashion. The glass ceiling is absolutely real. Um, If the money's not going to come to you, you got to go get it yourself. And it's out there to be gotten. So go
0: get it. Yeah. And I think that is important because one of the misconceptions is also you know, I can only make money doing certain things as a freelancer. Mm -hmm. Um, For example, you know, someone might be saying, well, Liz, you're a writer. And of course, you know, writing and content can be freelanced. And, you know, as a designer, same thing. As a photographer, same thing. But Mm -hmm. those are not the careers I'm in. My career doesn't allow me to be a freelancer. What what are your thoughts on that?
1: I think that i i actually I, again i wasn't under the impression when i went freelance that you can make a really good living from writing i actually didn't think that i didn't know that content was such a lucrative path um i also think that everyone has skills to offer. And it's a matter of figuring out creative ways to leverage those skills into something that people want and will pay for, want to pay for and will pay for. And it doesn't necessarily present itself as a content writer or a photographer or a project manager. Like There are an infinite number of ways that the skills that someone brings to the table can be applied in creative ways that might not fit into a label just yet. Who knows, like the business skills or the management skills that people have, uh, those can manifest and will manifest in a multitude of ways across a multitude of industries. And that will always be in demand. Like, I'm not really sure what kind of skills you're talking about, but it's also, I think, a matter of looking at a situation in a different way that might be, quote unquote, like written about or might be a profession already, but it also might look, it might be something different or something very niche or something that we haven't, that no one has thought of yet. Like the world is big. The needs are big. People making things and doing things is vast.
0: Yep. And I'm a big believer that no idea is a new idea. Um, I think everyone's thought about it somewhere. But yes, you have to open your eyes and find those things and be willing to look at it from a different lens, from a different perspective. Because so much of what we miss is... Are doing is our own, you know, limiting our mindset, limiting the questions we ask, being afraid to ask questions. So I think it starts there. Um, and I can say, you know, just coming as, as a, for lack of better words, like a career coach, um, having coached right. over, you know, 10, fifty thousand people, um, I have been able to identify or help people identify, regardless of their industry opportunities to quote unquote freelance to take ownership over their careers and not be tied to just one company and totally again, i'm not saying that's the only way to build your career um but if you're someone who isn't aligned with how you've chosen to work um and your lifestyle isn't aligning with it recognize that one you're not alone um you have options you know we just have to figure mm-hmm. out what options are but two they're they're in the recent you know, in the last five to 10 years, we've had a surge in, you know, uh travel nomads or nomad workers that travel the world and they're working and they're not all... Freelance writers, photographers, designers, right? They have a variety of different career paths, um, but they've been able to brand themselves in a way. They've been able to communicate their skill set in a way. They've been able to get into a mindset that has allowed them to see those opportunities. And that's happening every day, all the time across industries. It happens in medicine. It happens in finance. It happens in retail. It happens in almost everything that I can think of. However, I think the biggest part we have to overcome is that discomfort, that, yes. um, that detachment from stability, which is actually false because just like Liz, something you said that really stood out to me is, you know, you found more stability than ever, um, in, in freelancing because you're right. not reliant on any one organization. And, and I think. Um, I always encourage people to really think about, do they feel stable? And when they really think about it, when they realize, wow, you know, California, for example, we're an at-will state, you or your employer can uh, choose to start working together whenever. Um, for really, any reason
1: or no reason at reason. all. <laughs> yeah. Right?
0: Yep. For any reason. There really isn't quote unquote stability on that. And the fact that you do make money every 2 weeks for 2 weeks worth of work, it's not that's just how it is. There really isn't any stability. Um so what are you exactly fighting when you refuse to look at alternatives for yourself?
1: Where right.
0: does that your come from? That to me was fascinating when I started looking at it for myself and internalizing this and reflecting on this myself for my situation.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, and I'm not, I'm not, I don't want to give the false impression that if you're good at your job and you work really hard and, you know, you do this freelance path that it's all going to be raining in the dough because it definitely ebbs and flows. That is for sure. Like you're not going to get a paycheck every two weeks. That's not going to happen.
0: I mean, there's it, a, there's definitely a completely different skill set to managing oh, yourself yeah. and your life, obviously, when you want to take control of all aspects and not just a couple. Oh
1: yeah, I mean that's again a podcast for another time. Stay tuned for coming attractions, but it, it, I mean there it, it is a mindset as well, um, in learning how to manage the ebbs and the flows, learning how to turn off your brain and trust that the work will come when it's down. Um, It's hard or when it pours and taking all the, and, you know, having this mindset of, Oh, I got to catch them all before it dries out. Like finding that managing your time and managing the ebbs and flows of your business is a skill set in itself as well. So it's not, I'm not saying that that's a cakewalk and, it's hard to manage, quite frankly. Yeah,
0: it's almost like every path is difficult. There's no doubt about it. Every path is difficult. Correct. Every path has its trials and tribulations, and it comes down to which. And I, I don't like saying path because that assumes you know the linearity, which I don't believe in. Agree. Um, every option, let's say that every option um, has its own set of things that you have to you have to consider. So it's identifying at any specific point in your life. What option makes the most sense? And by the way, that means you can always switch options later on. Um, Absolutely. You can also. More than one option. Um, I talk to my team about this a lot because you know they're all full time workers, and I talk about how employer-employee relationships shouldn't exist. Yet, obviously, at Edvo we have one. Um, but I tell the team so clearly. I said, you know, freelancing doesn't mean it's you against your client or it's you for your client. Yeah. yeah. You also have quote unquote your own guild, your people that you work with that. You know, you bring your skills together. Some of the people I've hired at Edfo, they kind of came as a group. Like I met this designer who, you know, was my developer's go-to. And yep. they recommend right. Like they have their own people that they choose to work with on projects over and over again. I love when I can hire like that because for me it's hey, I'm on a mission, you're coming in and You're going to be part of this mission with me, and you're going to bring your own team or your skill set or your posse, whatever, uh, and we're going to do this together. And because of how our society limits, and I do want to provide, you know, benefits and all that stuff, we keep it in the employer-employee relationship. But in an ideal world, everyone I work with has different clients, different projects that they're working on, Um, and frankly, even my current team, everyone is doing something else. In their, you know, other time. Um, And I don't free time because I also don't have a belief that you're on the clock, let's say from nine to five, and then it's free time. That's I don't believe in that. Um, So the way we've set it up is People can work whenever they want. Uh, We have obviously team, you know, meetings and check-ins and hangouts. So just, we hold people accountable to those because you have to be fair to the team. But outside of that, you independently work whenever you want. Um, And if you are like one of my team members, Cynthia, she also has her career coaching practice. And I've, you know, like, If I were to look at it from a traditional lens, and her and I have talked about this, if I were to look at it from a traditional leader's lens, I would see that and say, hey, that's a conflict of interest. Because at Edvo, we too provide career support services. So if you have your own clients on career coaching, that's a huge conflict of interest. But we talked about it and we said, it really isn't because I want her to build her brand. I want her to career coach. She enjoys it. She should do it. Um, and if there's anything Edvo can support with, let's find a way to collaborate, but not compete with my own people's passions. That's not what I'm I'm here for. So it oh, leaves absolutely. empowered and in control. Um, and now she knows that she can build a career coaching business where... If anything does happen where she cannot rely on EDVO for her financial being, she already has something else that can. So I would rather encourage that than discourage it and give her the false hope of, hey, nothing ever is going to change in your contract. Well, I hope that's you know the case. I hope we work together for a very long time. I cannot guarantee that as a human being. Sure. No,
1: and that's very honest and I think that that's a huge step forward in the right direction. Uh, I love that story. I mean, inside company, my company works the exact same way. you know we We encourage the people that we work with to work in the capacity that works best for them. It's not, and for most the majority of you know our coworkers, it's not nine to five. The majority of it, they're, they come from backgrounds like like my husband and myself. You know, they, we know how we work individually and we want people to bring their best selves to their work. And that doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to be their best selves from nine to five. That's ridiculous. That's a ridiculous yeah. thing. I mean, people have families, people have kids to pick up, kids to drop off, family members yeah. to take care of. They have their lives. Yeah. Work is not your life. Need. Like totally. It's just not it it, you need to you need to work to live, not live to work. It's just work is great, building things, creating things, creating things with awesome people is freaking amazing and awesome and how we get through our days as creators and as artists. But in order for people to put their best foot forward and to bring their whole selves to the table you have to give them freedom to work how they work best.
0: Absolutely. And
1: I just feel like opening up the conversation and having conversations like the one that you and I are having, it, it, I hope that it opens, it opens up possibilities. That's what I hope.
0: I do too. I hope that too. Uh and I think that's a great pause <laughs> to our many conversations that will continue. Liz, thank you so much for being here and sharing your story. How can our how can people find you? How can people see what you're up to?
1: Um but email me. <laughs> my you can email me at my last name Marks M-A-R-K-S at inside.company. Uh, You can find us at inside.company, the website of of our company. Um, Yeah, that's probably the best way to reach me. But I'm open and and here to chat about however I can offer knowledge, spread the knowledge, spread the good word. Um, Yeah, hit me up.
0: Thank you, Liz.
1: Thank you, Shereen.